Hello and welcome to Hosanna. I'm Pastor Jen Alexander and please hear me say, we believe the Lord led you here to help you grow in faith and look a little more like Jesus. After today's message, we encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, church. I love this church. I love you people. Uh, is anyone else excited about what God is doing at and through Hosanna these days or is it just me? You can just feel it, all right? The last, the last few weeks have just been through the roof, through the roof. I love what God is doing through this church, and that means through, through all of you, because you are the church. So it is so good to be with you at all of our campuses, as well as those of you who are joining us live or later online. And maybe you're a guest with us, and you're, you're going, who is this guy that's telling me he loves me? That's kind of creepy. Uh, I'm Ryan Alexander. I'm the lead pastor at, at Hosanna. And truly, we love that you're here. If you're joining us new, we're honored that you're with us. We'd love to, to know how we can support you and get you connected, answer any questions you have. So if you want to let us know uh, that you're new, you can just text Hosanna New to 94000 and we'll come alongside you. 2023 is the year with Jesus at Hosanna. It's the year with Jesus. And we're spending 52 weeks looking at who Jesus was, who he is, what he did, what he said, what he taught, and what all of that means for our lives. And it means a whole lot. It means a whole lot. And I can guarantee you that if you are on this journey and you stick with this journey, we will be changed by the end of this year in all the right ways, in all the right ways. And so let's, let's keep going. We finished our first series last week uh, called The Real Life of Jesus. And it's, it's foundational that we, that we um, go back to that. If you haven't heard it already or if you want to listen to it again, The Real Life of Jesus. Today we're starting a series called Who Is This Man? Who Is This Man? How many of you are old enough to remember the original Lone Ranger? Anybody? Lone Ranger, all right, or maybe at least you remember staying home from school and watching reruns like me, pretending you were sick. All right, that was me. The Lone Ranger would ride in on his horse, Silver. He'd come in and save the day, and then he'd kind of disappear, and everyone would be going, who was that masked man? But Jesus had a similar effect on people, right? He would come into a situation, he would say something, he would do something extraordinary, and then people would say, who is this man? Who is this man? Even his closest followers would ask this of him from time to time. In Luke chapter 8, we, we, we read about a story where the, Jesus and his followers were out on a boat and a storm kicks up and Jesus wakes up. He was asleep. He wasn't worried, but he wakes up and stills the storm. And here's how they respond. Luke 8, 25. The disciples were terrified and amazed. Talk about mixed emotions. Who is this man? They asked each other. Who is this man? amazed and terrified. And Jesus has been evoking similar responses in people's lives ever since. Who is this man? Amazed, blown away, terrified a little bit. Like, this is so different, so unusual. I don't know what to do with this. Who is this man? And how we answer that question makes all the difference in terms of how we relate to Jesus. And how we relate to Jesus makes all the difference in our lives. Now, Christian scholars and theologians over the years have come to this same conclusion. Scholars like C.S. Lewis from Great Britain, Watchman Nee from China, uh, Josh McDowell from the United States have come to this conclusion. There are really only three responses to the question, who is this man, when it comes to Jesus. Either 
based on what he said about himself, either he was a liar or he was a lunatic or he was Lord. Really, those are the three options. <laughs> the three possible responses to the question, who is this man? He was a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was Lord. And each week of this series, we're gonna look at different angles on those three responses. Uh, different conclusions that people have come to as they relate to those three responses, including this one, uh, a conclusion that people have come to about Jesus and who he is is this. He was a great teacher, but not everything he said about himself was true. Which by definition is a liar. And Jesus was a liar. Raise your hand if you're a liar. Okay. Some of you are honest, all right? How about, have you ever lied before? That's a little bit easier. Think about why we've all had you know, white lies. Why do we lie? Why do people lie? Usually it's because we're embarrassed, trying to cover something up, trying to look better than we actually are, get some advantage, some benefit. Usually the reasons. I was trying to think of a story of, from my life of me lying, but I couldn't think of one because I've never lied before. <laughs> I just told you I lied, pretend I was homesick watching The Lone Ranger. All right. But I can think of a story of my sister lying. I have two younger siblings, uh, John, bro my brother, and Aaron, my sister, and of the three of us, I'll just tell you straight up, Aaron's the best. She's the best student. She was the smartest. She was a presidential scholar graduating from high school. Uh, she's probably the best parent, for sure, um, and, and she probably is even the best Christian, which is saying something because both my brother and I are pastors, okay? And she also never got into trouble until now. Until now, because I'm about to tell you <laughs> a story of when she lied. In high school, we had a curfew. Uh, we had to be home by midnight. My dad would wait up until we got home, and I have more empathy for that now with a teenage driver. I'm like, I understand why my dad waited up till I got home. And, and so we had to be back. Now, every once in a while, if we were running late, we had to figure out what to do. Well, my sister figured this out. If she was running a little bit, little, little bit late, you know, with her boyfriend or whatever, she would call from that person's house, my dad would pick up the phone at home and say hello, and she would say, I got it, Dad. I, I told you she was the smartest, right? Some of you teenagers are like, how can I get one of those landlines? That would be helpful. I might trade in my cell phone for a landline. Why do we lie? We lie to avoid consequence. Maybe a way to say it, we lie to, to um, avoid pain, or for our gain, or both, we, we lie. Now, lying used to be a sign or, or an indicator of poor character, used to be a character flaw. Now it's almost like a, a, a badge of honor or something. It can get you elected. <laughs> See the New York congressman in the third district these days, right? Or, or it can make you famous on social media. Look at just about every influencer on social media, and they've probably stretched the truth in some way to their advantage. But every day, don't we hear a story of, of someone, they, they've been living the lie for a while, but it finally caught up to them? Someone gets caught in that web of lies? Right? 
Still doesn't necessarily get them kicked out of office or they don't lose their influence on social media, but at least we, we kind of see who they really are. When do liars stop lying? When it's no longer to their advantage, right? When it actually is more to their advantage to stop lying, that's when they do it. We, we don't ever have this experience with Jesus. Where all of a sudden he, the heat gets turned up and people start to get upset with him. It's not to his advantage anymore. He doesn't go, actually, you know what? I wasn't actually telling the truth. We don't have that with Jesus. In fact, he stays the course. He keeps singing the same tune all the way through. In fact, it is his teaching, what he believed to be the truth about himself and what he taught as true that gets him into trouble. Jesus uh, was a great teacher, though. So for, for people who come to the conclusion that Jesus was a great teacher, yeah. A, lot, a whole lot of people agree with that. Even people who don't believe that Jesus is who he said he was believe Jesus was a great teacher. Even people from other religions will say, yeah, Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus' greatest teaching or message is the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to do a deeper dive into the Sermon on the Mount later this year. But, but for now, just hear these verses that describe what it was like to be taught by Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount and, 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 the Sermon on the Mount and in general. Matthew 7, 28, 29 says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things... The crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So they, they were amazed or astonished, or maybe in our term, terminology, they were blown away by his teaching. Why? Verse 29 tells us, for one, he taught with real authority. Real authority. The, the Greek word there. Uh, means both legal, institutional authority and power and influence, strong influence. That's what real authority was. Both legal authority and strong influence. And we all know situations, maybe we've even been in one, where, where people had one or the other. They had the authority, the power, but they didn't have the respect or the influence. Or we know of situations, maybe we've been in one where we've had influence, we've had respect from others, but we didn't have the authority to make changes or make decisions. Jesus had both, real authority. See? Real authority also comes from lived experience and exceptional knowledge in an area. People tell me sometimes that you have authority in the areas of mental health and money and what are they saying? They're saying that you, you, you are coming from a place of lived experience and, and, and knowledge. You have real authority in whatever area you've had lived experience and exceptional knowledge. And because of that lived experience, God's given you authority in that area. Jesus had lived experience, fully God, fully human, and exceptional knowledge, real authority. The other reason that the crowds were amazed at his teaching is that he, it says he was unlike their teachers of religious law. He was different than the other teachers. He stood out. He stood apart from the other teachers. Can you think of a teacher from your experience? Hopefully you can think of at least one who was just exceptional, who stood out, who's different than the others. Why did that teacher stand out? 
I, I had a lot of really amazing teachers. In many ways, I'm the product of so many of those amazing teachers from elementary school all the way through grad school for me. But there was one that stood out more than any other, had the, the biggest impact, most influenced my life, my high school teachers and my high school tennis, tennis coach, Wayne Hayes. Got a picture of him there. It's Coach Hayes. He's still alive and well. And I, I was thinking about, you know, what made him so exceptional? What, what made him stand out as, as a teacher and a coach? Lots of qualities. One, he was passionate. He was passionate about what he did. There was a sense of urgency. And it wasn't fake or forced. It was like real. He was passionate. It just oozed out of him, sometimes like over the top. He cared about what he was doing, and he cared about the people he was doing it for. He was inspiring. He inspired us to be more than, than we were. He inspired us to be more than we thought, even we thought we could be. He, he was humble. He wasn't doing what he did for his gain or his recognition. Or his, he, 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 he was doing it for others, for us. Which I think, again, back to real authority, humility is such a key piece of real authority. He was sacrificial. He was willing to sacrifice his time and energy and nights with his family to take 40 high school boys or yahoos, as he called us. Yahoos, yahoos. On a bus down to Camas, Washington for a tennis tournament and then stop at McDonald's on the way back. One adult, 40 high school boys at McDonald's. I think he got a free meal out of the deal, which wasn't so bad, but probably still wasn't worth, you know. <laughs> He'd sacrifice. He had to put up with me. Oh, you, <laughs> you know this about me. I'm pretty competitive. I did not win any, win any sportsmanship of the year awards in high school, okay? <laughs> He's so patient with me. He was, a, he was affirming and challenging. He saw the value in us. He loved us, but he loved us too much to keep us there. You know, he would challenge us to grow. He, there was true wisdom, Mr. Hayes. He said things that were different, deeper, that, that kind of stood out or stuck with you. Sticky statements like, here are just a few Wayne Hayes-isms. Your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. It's good. Second, one that I can remember is the difference between champ and chump, it's you. The you. Got it? All right. This is one of my favorites, though. He would always say this. Take your time. Hurry up. Take your time. Hurry up. Like, take, don't rush it. Don't rush it. Don't force it. But don't waste time. Like, come on. You know... Of all the qualities, all the things that made Mr. Hayes a great teacher, and I hope he's watching this, dedicated to you there, Mr. Hayes, is what made him the great teacher, the one thing that made him the great teacher more than anything else, is that he followed the greatest teacher of all. He was a Jesus follower. He was being taught by Jesus. And, and he would share that. He was also the leader of our FCA group, Fellowship of Christian Athletes group, and he would talk about Jesus and how Jesus had taught him. He pointed to Jesus, who had all of those qualities and then some. And I could talk about Jesus as a teacher, but instead I just have been feeling led to let you experience what it's like 
to be taught by Jesus as the greatest teacher of all. Just read part of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I'm not going to put the words on the screen. I don't even want you to look them up. I just want you to listen. Experience being taught by the greatest teacher of all in this moment. We just finished the second season of The Chosen. And right at the end of that, he's stepping out to give the Sermon on the Mount. And in the episodes prior, we see Jesus praying about what to say and talking to his father about how to deliver this sermon. It's like he's choosing every word for, you know, just, just so for the people who are going to listen to him that day, but also this day. Hear these words from the greatest teacher for you on a topic that's relevant for all of us, I think. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus greatest teacher to ever live. You can hear the passion, right? The passion, the, the inspiration to live more, to be more, to step into more than, than what you're living right now. Affirming the value. If God values birds, how much more does he value you? And yet challenging. Who can add one minute to their life by worrying? the true wisdom, the sticky statements. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let tomorrow take care of itself. That'll stick with you. Mr. Hayes used to say this. He say, even if Jesus isn't who he says he was, he is, he was, I'd still follow his teaching. It'd still be the best way to live. Now, Mr. Hayes believed that Jesus is who he says he was. But what he's saying is Jesus is still a great teacher, right? The best of all. And many have tried to stop there, to land there, to conclude there. Jesus was a great teacher, but I'm not sure about everything he said about himself. One example, Thomas Jefferson, who like many of the founding fathers, was a product of the Enlightenment, the French Revolution, very influenced by Something had to be rational. We had to be able to prove it scientifically in order for it to be true. That's what the Enlightenment said. 
Like Thomas Jefferson produced something that later became known as the Thomas Jefferson's Bible. That's not what he called it. He called it the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And in this version of the Bible, he removed every miracle and every reference to the resurrection and just left Jesus' teaching. Good teaching. Maybe the greatest of all. But that other stuff about miracles and being the Messiah, the Savior of the world, cut that out. He was a great teacher. But not everything he said about himself was true. He was a liar. In other words, is that conclusion. Here's the problem with that. Jesus doesn't really give us that option. He doesn't give us that option. It's got to be one or the other. Either he was who he said he was or he wasn't. For one, what makes Jesus a great teacher is also what disqualifies him from being a great liar. Right? Liars, are it's all about their gain and it's all about avoiding pain. But Jesus does the opposite. He doesn't have any worldly gain in the end and he experiences all kinds of pain. Here's just one example in Mark eleven eighteen, 18. It says, the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him for they feared him. Those people in Power, institutional power, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Jesus continued to teach, even though it made the people in power want to kill him. And he doesn't stop. What what was he teaching up to that point? All kinds of things, including that the religious leaders had corrupted the house of God. They had corrupted prayer. They had corrupted religion. And even when the temperature gets hot for him, he doesn't stop teaching that. Like a liar would. Even the very end, his exchange with Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate had all the authority in Judea. He was the Roman governor. And he gave Jesus multiple opportunities to recant and say, you know what? Oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to back away from what I said. Pontius Pilate gave him multiple opportunities to change his tune. And Pontius Pilate wanted to let Jesus go because his wife behind the scenes was kind of lobbying Pilate to let Jesus go. And you know, happy wife, happy life. But Jesus didn't change his tune. Didn't back down from what he was saying about himself, even though it eventually led to him being arrested, tortured, and killed. Jesus really doesn't give us that option that he was just a great teacher and nothing more. And I hope you're hearing it. He doesn't have any of the qualities of a good liar. And if he's not a liar, then we have to deal with everything that he said about himself. That he was the son of man, which was a reference to an Old Testament passage about the Messiah who would come, the savior of the world who would come. He referred to himself as the son of God, or he even said, I am, I am, which is how God referred to himself in the Old Testament. I am who I am. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Someone who refers to himself as the truth is either a liar or he's the truth. And if Jesus is who he says he is, hear this, then all things are possible. All things. 
C.S. Lewis, who was one of the theologians and writers who made this you know, threefold response kind of clear to us. Liar, Lunatic, or Lord, uh, wrote a number of books, including probably the ones you've heard of, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm, I'm reading one to one of our sons, Zach, right now. But he also wrote a number of other books, including this one, Mere Christianity, which a number of people, especially people who are kind of analytical and, and kind of logically oriented, will, will say that book, reading that book is what caused me to come to faith, Mere Christianity. But he says this in Mere Christianity. I'm trying to here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg. We'll talk about that next week, a lunatic. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher only. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. At some point, at some point, we all have to come to terms with who Jesus is. Who is this man? And in the words of Wayne Hayes, I would say to you, as you think about how you're responding to that, take your time, but hurry up. Like don't, don't force it, don't fake it, but hurry up. I don't mean this in a fear-based way like sometimes preachers do, like trying to get you there by fear. I'm just saying there is a freer, fuller, forever life that is waiting for you in Jesus Christ. Take your time, hurry up. And lovingly, Pastor, we can't let Jesus be someone or something he does not claim to be. And he never claimed to just be a great moral teacher and nothing more than that. He claimed to be Lord. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. We will enter into this freer, fuller, forever life with him. Some of you may even want to declare that he is Lord. Even today, why wait? There are lots of ways to do that, to declare that Jesus is Lord. If you've never been baptized, you can do that. You, you've been baptized, we offer an experience to renew your baptism, to reaffirm your baptism. We don't teach you you have to do that if you've already been baptized. You can. 
You can declare to a friend, a prayer minister after the service. You can just be between you and God can de- declare, I believe you are Lord Jesus. We'd love to know about that so we can come alongside you and support you in that journey. Some of you are ready to declare Jesus as Lord. And then for those of us who have decided, yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of my life. Then here's my little loving challenge for you. You've declared him as Lord, but are you living like he's the greatest teacher to ever live? Are you hearing and learning and living out his teaching? I was talking to Pastor Mike Swecker, who's our prayer pastor at Hosanna, and uh, he's one of those wise, talk about real authority, wise people. And I was quoting this verse that a lot of people know, Romans 8, 28, that God works for the good in all things. And before I quoted that, I said, you know, man, we always quote, it's almost cliche. And he stopped me and he goes, Ryan, yeah, we know it, but do we live it? Do we live like God uses everything for the good? He's like, yeah, you're right. Jesus is Lord of my life, my greatest teacher. I know it, but am I living it? And it sent me on this really exhilarating journey. I'm still on it, of looking for those well-known verses that aren't always well-lived. I want to live them well. What are those for you? Who is this man? Jesus says, if you hear my words and put it into practice, then you are like a person who builds their house on a rock. And the storms come, and the wind comes, and you remain firm. You stand strong when we put his teachings into practice as our Lord and our teacher. Who is this man? How we answer that question will make all the difference in how we relate to Jesus, and how we relate to Jesus will make all the difference in how we live our lives. And Jesus didn't say or do what he did for his gain or to avoid pain. He did it for your gain. And so that you could ultimately enter into this freer, fuller, forever life with him. And I believe this from the bottom of my heart. That ain't no lie. Would you let him lift you up today? Would you let him be who he really is? Wherever you are in your journey with him? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for not just talking the talk, for walking the walk, for coming to this earth so that your lived experience as one who was fully human and fully God came from a place of real authority so that when you taught and when you teach even now, it is undeniable that people are still amazed and terrified and blown away and astonished today because you are the greatest teacher to ever live. And yet, we know because of what you said about yourself that it doesn't stop there. Would you reveal to us what it means for you to claim to be Lord? Show us who you really are, and may we more and more and more answer the question, who is this man, in a way that accurately reflects who you are? Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, we thank you, we love you. We're following you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.